You there? I'm here. All right. You're okay. here. Okay, then. Some other voice there. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know. We are the ones here. Oh, I thought I heard somebody say, I'm here. I thought so, too. I, I guess it was a ghost. I'm they, here. They, Good they, morning. They, oh, there are people here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Good. I thought I heard somebody. Uh-huh. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. But, all right, this morning, we won't uh, hold up the, the war effort, as they say. Uh, this morning, we're uh, grateful as we uh, are now about Two Sundays from Easter. Yeah, right. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. Uh huh. You you gonna come with your nice palms and uh, yeah, uh, all your. Yeah, to get those. Yeah, to get you know palms. Uh huh. Yeah, you come with your pom poms and and all your your things that go with that on on next Sunday and. Uh, and we get to celebrate Easter. Or oh, the the journey to Easter will start on next Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh the wind get I didn't hear what you said. I cut across the I'm sorry, riding into the reason was what I said. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Please forgive me. I decided that what I wanted to say was more important than what was on your mind. So I, of course, it is. It is. Uh huh. So I cut right on across you. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But the the Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday following Palm Sunday, which will be uh, two Wednesdays uh, from now. We're going to have uh, our, uh, depending upon your reformation, uh, some call it the Lord's Supper, others call it communion, some call it Holy Eucharist. Uh, So however you wish to approach it, that's what will happen on uh, two Wednesdays from now. Traditionally, we have uh, moved our festivities to Thursday because uh, according to uh, the timeline, the celebration or the actual event known as the Last Supper took place on Thursday. We're not going to move anything this year. Uh, We will just uh, kind of uh, reenact or celebrate during our time period and try to keep everybody on track. So uh, two Wednesdays from now, tell a friend, be a friend, and all those good things, and uh, and we would do that. Also, I want to uh, uh, share something with you 
while you keep it in your prayers. Uh, I, I don't want to put it out publicly because I don't think it's been put out there. But uh, Dr. Guffey over at Freemason Street, most of you know him. You've had some interaction with him in some way, shape, or form. He's done a, a lot of work for us, been around here. Uh, definitely responsible for the reason why uh, the government now says half of everything I own belongs to a woman. I saw a laugh that goes there when I realized there's a whole lot of women here, so they're not going to laugh at that. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he had a severe medical episode. And uh, he's been uh, out of commission for at least uh, the last two weeks. I believe he's returning to, as they say, the action today. But he's definitely been out for some time. So uh, keep him in your, your prayers. And even in your thoughts. You know, when you stop praying and you just sit there and get to thinking. Keep keep. Please let that be one of the the ideas and mindsets of pieces of business that runs through your mind. Dr. Robert Guffey over at Freemason Street. Keep him in your prayers. Oh, okay. Uh, and Friday. No, that's a lie. April 7th, uh, which is Thursday. There's going to be an event down at the Slova Library. <clears throat> if you want to uh, uh, hear a State of the City address from the mayor, this is for uh, people who are Norfolk residents or connected to Saints. You can go down there and get that information. We will uh, get you some times and and more details, uh, but it's going to be April 7th, so uh, I'm, a, I'm definitely a sh- probably going to be somewhere around the morning hour. But anyway, I wanted to put that in your head. Uh, if you get that information before me, then that is great. But uh, that's an opportunity for you to hear the mayor. Please forgive me. I just realized that my... Uh, information is not clear to like I said time and uh, but I do know it's April 7th and we'll be at the Slova so that's something and then April 9th Saturday come on out and walk with us we're scheduled to have uh, various uh, community leaders civic same there on Saturday April 9th we're meeting over at the uh the new open space over by Harbor Park. Uh, you, you can't miss it. It's literally right there on the river. Uh, if you're coming from Norfolk State, you're going to pass right on by it. It's, it's, it's a nice piece of business. You, you, you definitely can't miss it. Just go to the... You'll see all the people. Uh, it's, that's basically the best way that I can tell you to get around there. Just if, you, if you're in the river, you went too far. So, that's 9 a.m. April 9. Uh, 
I believe that's all of my analysis, thoughts, ideas, and concerns and that are on my brain. You may have your own. As a matter of fact, I'm certain you do. And we will uh, give time and place for you to express your concerns and uh, intentions. Uh, Mama Bell is going to uh, going to play as she always does in her beautiful way, and, and that'll be a great time for you to pray and connect with your Creator, your Lord and your Savior to uh, share your thoughts and your intentions. And then you know how we go as, as the order of service is concerned. So we'll just move in that order. Uh huh. You said I was gonna play what when? <laughs> it's time for you to bang on the keys. Okay. All right. We right. All right. Bang on. Bang on. <laughs> we prepare for uh, the comings of the next uh, few weeks, uh, the activities of this week coming up with the uh, State of the Norfolk Address and, and the uh, and the Power Walk on, on uh, Saturday. I hope everybody's uh, up for that. I, unfortunately, I won't be able to join you, but I, um, I'll be there in spirit. That's the main thing. Anyway, it's been a and bear with me. <laughs> it's been a hard week for me. Uh, mm, me too. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, 
that you know with faith in God and and, and our Savior, uh, you know, um, we get through the things. Anyway, um, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. You know, we somebody says, well, you know, where. How, how do you get through that? How do you handle that kind of situation? What do you do in those crises? Uh, you know, it, it's, first of all, you know, it, if it's something that I can physically do and change, uh, you know, I try to do that, uh, you know, through guidance from uh, friends, uh, family, uh, pastors, you know, mentors, things like that. But maybe it's a situation that I got myself into and I can uh, work myself out of financially, whatever it might be. You know, there are ways to, to get out of things. But, but the main thing, you, you have to have uh, a foundation. Uh, and and, the, and that's, why, that's why we get together on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis, whatever, or even, you know, on a daily basis. That's why I get together with our, our Lord and Savior, you know, to, to talk to him put my trust in him because when things go awry and things pop up and things change, you have to have that strength that, that gives you uh, the courage to face whatever it might be. And, and um, so so it's important that you surround yourself with people that, uh, that can love on you, uh, that can help you, but most of all, can pray for you and give you that spiritual courage, that spiritual enlightenment that you need. And uh, that's why, you know, it, it's important that you spend time, uh, spend time with God, spend time in the, in the Bible. And, and, you know, the Bible teaches us that all the time. And, and that's why, you know, we get together on Sunday and on Wednesdays. You know, on Sunday we get a little bit more in depth about what scripture means and, and how we can apply it to our lives. And that's the whole thing. You know, if you read a good book and put it away and never use what you read out of that, well, you know, I'm not talking about maybe a textbook or, or a how-to-do book or even a good recipe. You know, if you read that recipe and go, hmm, that looks good, I'm going to try that one day and you never get around to try it, how do you know that it is good? Sometimes you've got to put your feet in the water and, and go for it. And uh, that's what I do with the Bible. I put my feet in the water and go for it. And uh, when I need uh, support, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good place to start. You know, um, it gives me the, the strength to face what, whatever might be uh, in my way or might pop up. Because you never know. And how you how do you prepare yourself? You don't prepare yourself by being strong in the Lord. And you know, and and the Bible teaches that uh, so many different ways and so many good ways. It, it's uh, it, it's something to lean on, something to hold tight to. You know, if you got the Word of God and the love of God uh, and the love of Jesus in your heart, no matter what you face you'll be able to get through it. It's not going to make anything everything easy, you know. The Bible doesn't say that. But it will help you understand and maybe use that circumstances to change lives, you know. And uh, in Romans, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It's a real short verse, but, you know, if you listen to it and pay attention to it, it tells you a lot. No. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word and through Christ. Okay? Wow. Faith comes from hearing the message. The message of what? The message of the word, the message of, of the Bible, and the message of Christ. You know, he teaches us to, to, to be strong. Be strong in the faith. And that whatever you run across and whatever you run into, you know, in your time of need, you know, whether it's physical need or spiritual need, God will always be there. The Bible will always be there. You know, the Bible has been around for thousands of years. You know, even before you and I even knew what the Bible was, it was there. And guess what? It's going to be around long after you and I are back in the back to dust again. You know, and the same way with God. He's there. He's always there for us. Jesus is always there for us. And as we get to ready to celebrate his resurrection there in a couple of weeks, you know, we have to think about Think about what he did and why he did it and who he did it for, you know. Oh, he did it for Jimmy. Oh, he did it for Mary. Uh, but he did it for me. And if you think about that and put that in your heart and use that to build your life, you'll be strong and you'll hear the message and you'll have that faith, you know. Uh, and, and when you do that and you spread it around and, and you... You use that to teach other people about who Jesus is and use the Bible and use your faith and use your strength. You'll know that when things happen, you'll be able to face it. When things go a while away or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, who do you go to, you know, growing up, who do you go to when you stub your toe? Yeah. Right? Well, who do you go to when you spiritually stub your toe? Do you go to God, or do you turn your back on Him? Do you run to Him with open arms? Because guess what? He's there with His arms open, waiting for you to come to Him, waiting for you to get on your knees and talk to Him, waiting for you to open up your heart, waiting for you to share your faith with others. This is what He tells us to do. And this is why he shed his blood for us on the cross. This sacrifice. We don't have to take things to the temple anymore. We don't have to make sacrifices to God. But we just have to make sacrifices of ourselves. A living sacrifice to our Lord and Savior. Just as his sacrifice was for us. He died for us because he loved us. He died for us because he didn't want us to have eternal damnation who wants us to have eternal glory. And we have to remember that. So whenever you're down and need some help, he's there. And whenever you're happy and need help, he's still there. And, and yes, you do need help when you're happy. And when you're sad, you need help. And when you need strength, he's there for you. So no matter what you need, God is always there. And he will always, always, always be there. And that's something that we can we can build our faith on, we can put our trust in. But most of all, 
we know that we are always loved and always will be. So we just thank the Lord for what he's given us and what he's done for us. And that we know that our faith is strong because we base it on what Jesus has taught us and what the Bible tells us. Amen and amen. God bless. Amen. Well, once again, good morning to all of you who are joining us and who have joined us a little bit late. Uh, we are uh, we definitely understand. I've always said it's a hard road between the bathroom and the bedroom. You know, it's a traffic jam somewhere around the mid-hallway. And, and that parking somewhere around the, the, the sink is, is, is a nightmare. So I'm, I'm glad you made it in and you got your, your mental cars all parked somewhere around the kitchen table. And you're ready to enjoy service this morning. And I also hope that you've come because I believe that the Catholics and the Episcopals, they got it right in some instances, Presbyterians too. Uh, I think that they got it right because even though our friends over at the Pentecostal community uh, got the patent on praise, corporate worship uh, the one thing that they in my belief did not uh, excel at in their times of worship is an opportunity for us to share personally what I mean by sharing personally is that time of quiet where you can just lay your petitions your thoughts before the Lord. You can have the time to talk with him yourself. That part we did not get uh, too much of a patent on. We kind of led or leaned on the preacher for that opportunity. So I would like to take this moment, as we have done so many times, to give you the opportunity to share with yourself and we're going to definitely have that opportunity in a moment, but while the time of intercessory prayer is going on, that is our corporate time, and there definitely have moments there where we focus on various issues that affect us all. The one thing that we'll not get talked about is your issue, possibly more so because nobody knows your issue. But the Creator knows, the Lord knows, and so you have that in your heart, please, at the appropriate time, lay those uh, thoughts and opinions and, and feelings at our Savior's feet. But in other words, or in other thoughts, we head into our moment of prayer. Please remember your communities, your friends your families. Please remember the things that are going on around our world. 
those things that you saw on TV. I know that upset you. You watch the news. But please take that frustration and take it to the Lord in a time of prayer. Can we do that now if you don't mind? Most gracious God, our Father, we honor you this morning for who you are. We thank you because you are our God and it is in you that we put our trust. Your words so remind us that we can bring all our cares and our troubles and we can come and we can lay them at your feet. Father, as Pastor talked to us this morning and brought our minds to a place that we can release ourselves to you as we can meditate and as we can cast our cares on you and unload and and we can share our hearts as you share with us the things that you would have us to pray, intercede, and call on your name for. And, Father, we don't take it for granted, but it's a privilege and an honor to be able to come and sit at your feet Feast on your goodness and bathe in your presence. Where at this time, Lord, nothing else matters in our life but you. Body sometimes afflicted with pain. Circumstances all around us is chaotic. Direction is needed. Mind is bothered. Children are acting up. Economy is upside down. Wars and rumors of wars. Nation against nation. Men against women. Boys against girls. Father, as we look across and we see the vastness of what we see in our backyard, across the street, they store to us across town. Father, there are many things, Lord God, that these eyes have witnessed. God, there's a many things, Lord God, that these ears have heard. And, Lord God, there's also a lot of things that these minds have come to understand. But, Father, in the midst of all of that, you are still God, and besides you, there is none other. There's not a situation or a care. There's not a problem. There's not a sickness that you have not already made a way. Father, as we reflect on these days and and as my brother has so clearly allowed us to reflect as other religious organizations and denominations look between these days facing the cross as they take daily meditation and as we have taken these steps to reflect on different aspects of your life and that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten son. As we look towards the cross, as we look at what the cross represented and all that the cross carried, <laughs> even the scripture says you carried our diseases and you bore our sicknesses. 
Lord God, we thank you because every time we look on that cross and we imagine you, our Savior, on that cross, we remind ourselves that we have an advocate with you and you have your arms stretched out saying, come to me, all that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You're saying, come to you, Lord God, that we can come and receive salvation and get everything that we need. When we see those nail-scarred hands and we imagine this, 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 the, the, the marks on your back, give us a sense of appreciation for what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do in our lives. Fathers, reflect, reflect on that, all of that. We give you praise and give you glory. And we give you honor, Lord. So, therefore, the things that we have so deeply on our heart that we carry, that wears our shoes out, that cause us to have sleepless nights, causes headaches and sometimes sickness. Father, we take, take those things and we cast them at your feet now. The burden that wants to do more for you when it seems like there's nothing else, Lord God to see our brothers and sisters, Lord God, to have what they need. God, we love you this morning and we praise you. Yeah. And, Father, we lift up, Lord God, those people that need you, Lord, that don't have a home today, that don't have a place to stay, yeah. don't have food to eat, Lord. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. And, Father, we pray for those who are the bodies are sickened with all common diseases, and God, we pray for your healing. Lord God, for a couple of years here, we've been pulling on you, Lord God. And because of that, Lord God, uh, Lord God, this this church has, has has was established on the back of a pandemic that many, Lord God, are suffering, and we. And we, we pray for them, Lord God. We pray for their healings. We pray for the demise of COVID. And, Father, we thank you also in the midst of that establishing this place, a place of refuge. And, Father, I pray, God, that all of the things, Lord God, that you have shown this pastor and shown the people that are following him, we pray, Lord God, that you will continue to move by your power. Show yourself mightily. We so look to your cross, Lord God, and we look for all of the victories that has been won. When the enemy turned around and laughed and said, I got him. Lord God, we, we hastily look at the empty tomb and said, we got you, Satan. And the Lord God, your word says that all power you have distributed to all of us that believe. You say, in my name, in your name we shall shall cast out death. You say, in your name, Lord God, we shall speak with new tongues. You say, in your name, Lord God. If we contact in the day of the pause, and it would never do it. It shall no wise hurt us or destroy us. We thank you for the power that we walk in now, that we are just not any citizens. We are citizens of the most high. We thank you for that. And God bless this service today. Bless the man of God as he brings forth the word. 
God, let it destroy you. Let it mend hurt and broken hearts. In Jesus' name. At this time, there are some things that may be on your heart that you want to talk to the Lord about. It's not all about us, the preachers, and it's not all about uh, those who have an opportunity to speak in this service. But it's all about you. That's what it's all about. And the Lord is saying, come, come to me now. Talk to me. Lay in my presence. Sit in my presence. Tell me about your situation. He knows. Yes, he knows. But he wants you to place it upon him. Let's utilize this time now to go before the Lord. Whatever's on your heart, I can't tell you what to say. I miss what you had on your heart when I was praying. But you know what's there. Let's go to the Lord. Chapter 11, verse 4, where we want to focus our attention. John chapter 11, verse 4 says, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. to use that for a backdrop uh, as I discuss with you uh, uh, this morning from the subject 
actually it's not really a subject. I just want to talk to you about the undertaker. I want to talk to you about the undertaker. And all those in agreement with the Bible respond with the howdy. Amen. 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 I'm sure you're conflicted. I sure am. By subject. Uh, Why must I discuss the undertaking? Who wants to talk about the undertaker? Who wants to meet or have a conversation? Nobody wants to see the undertaker. As far as I'm concerned, unless he is or she is one of your friends, the only time that the undertaker is in your presence is during a time of sorrow. during a time of extreme loss. But over the past two years, the one individual or collaboration of same that has been at the forefront is the undertaker. laying to rest our precious loved ones, many of which who has fallen to a little piece of business, you might have heard of it, called COVID. The undertaker. Those fine friends fell asleep, never to arise again on this earth. Some of them, now that I have processed it and and I dare not move without making this statement, as many are still being laid to rest even now, as there was a backup and burials and what have you. And so we're still finding ourselves laying to rest our friends and family members, some of them left us during the height of the pandemic. But then we take an opportunity to talk about the undertaker from a different perspective. The undertaker that does not come for your proverbial life, for your physical life, the undertaker that comes for your emotional life, your psychological life, and dare I even say your spiritual life. Most folks do not pay attention to the fact that we have for so long been mentally and seemingly mentally sick unto death. We made the statement, yes, we have, 
when we listen to people or we have heard or react to people who have suffered or who are doing things that are seemingly insufferable. Our friend, and I say this very loosely because I know that it's a very touchy subject, but the young man, we might as well call him our friend, Jesus called his enemies his friend. Judas betrayed him and sold him down the river for 30 pieces of silver, which was the ultimate uh, reasoning for his demise, and he called him Fred. And the people who uh, were the victims of this individual stood up at his trial and called him friend. So, so I feel that it's okay to call him friend. Brother Dylan, who walked into Emmanuel. Episcopal Church, doing a Bible study and open rampage, mentally sick unto death. Sickness is seemingly discussed when it's in the form of cancer, when it's in the form of tuberculosis when it's in the form of high blood pressure, low blood pressure, diabetes. But the one thing that is very rarely discussed is sickness of the mind. Nobody discusses when people seemingly are afflicted with mental disturbances when the mind has played tricks on them. And even the little inkling that is discussed is mostly just shrugged off as the old person's disease. Every person before their ending, must have that moment in time when they just lose their mind. It's called Alzheimer's. That's the old person's disease. But there have been jokes and thoughts and little sayings. Your mind is playing tricks on you. Boy, you just all of these different things that has been stated, some of what has been used as degradatory statements, some of them has been used as a way to prop people up. But regardless of what side of the spectrum, mental sickness is still a bad thing and one that deserves our attention. This sickness is not unto death. Then we move from mental sickness, which is a personal piece of business, to societal sickness. I don't need to tell you in detail 
I'm sure everybody with a pulse at this point in time has heard about the events of the Oscars. Brother Chris Rock, who was on stage cracking jokes as uh, typically happens during those events, Oscars, Academy Awards, so forth and so on. During one of his exchanges, he ran into an altercation. He ran into a problem. One of his jokes did not settle well. And it calls for Will Smith to walk up on stage and slap the proverbial taste out of his mouth. Sick! Now, I put it in that context, or I put sick there because I am sure that is left for debate. Oh, many are debating, especially on the Internet, over who was sick. After all, it was just a joke. But then again, the question was, even though some would say it's just a joke, Will Smith should not have responded that way. I asked, what if the other side of that coin was addressed? The fact that this gentleman and Chris Rock got up and made a joke about this man's wife who has now been suffering from a disease. A sickness that in some cases can lead to death. And how can you make joke, make light of someone suffering? Sick. Sick. Then I process. And I began to think about as I found myself mentally listening to a conversation with Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. Martin Luther King, the gentleman after the Birmingham letter, the gentleman after the mountaintop speech, the gentleman after the inspiration of I Have a Dream, there was the Dr. Martin Luther King who believed deep down in his bone marrow that this is a sick nation. Every corner of this earth, from sea to shining sea, in some way, shape, or form, is suffering from sickness. We've been taught to work like proverbial slaves, sick. We've been taught 
to do everything we can to advance ourselves, even at the expense of our brothers and our sisters. Sick. Some of us have just given up and have resulted in just doing the status quo and not trying anymore. Sick. is then the reason why some of us have settled for the status quo is because the more we try, the more we work, the harder it seems. The more we try to go for a proverbial play, we go in for the proverbial touchdown, it seems that the goalpost has been moved because for some apparent reason, Some of us getting a win is just not probable. Sick. Then there's another part. There's a lot of parts to this proverbial conversation here. A lot of parts to this understanding of sickness. I don't know how much time can be spent on this one particular thing before you're beating a dead drum. So I would like to take an opportunity, if I may, to now peel it to the other side of the coin. How do you handle people who are sick? How do you deal with people who are sick? The first thing they say in recovery or the journey to same is first admit there is a problem. That problem is not that these people are just Bad. I have never, there's one thing that I have seemingly screamed somewhat inside of my head because I felt like no one was listening, and to some degree there is accuracy to that. But I have despised and hated those who have used this opportunity, this spiritual opportunity to demonize people. who are sick. Oh, you drug addicts, you alcoholics, you potheads, you hookers and whores, all of you are just sin-filled people. But what if? What if? We looked at these options, these sins, if you will, not in the proverbial mindset of those who think only from self-righteousness, but what if we looked at this in its true form? Not that the hooker, the whore, the drug addict, the alcoholic, 
the gambler, not the womanizer, not them. But what if that was an act of medication and somewhere deep down inside was a sickness that has gone untreated? It's like people who can't afford to go to the doctor because the medical bills are so high. They don't have the proper insurances. Seventy-some-odd million people still live today without insurance, even though Obamacare is a thing. They beat that down, pasteurized and saturized and every other kind of thing, so the part that nobody can get it. So because they do not have insurance, they just take Tylenol and Advil and BCs. They do other remedies to try to medicate the pain. But what happens if they could get the proper treatment? Oh, we know about that. That makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is our friends who run our streets daily medicating their pain. People who sell their body not because they're just sinful-natured people, but because that's the only way they can see making a living to get themselves down the road. Doctors who wanted to help people, who wanted to practice medicine in order to make the world better, doctors who suffered to get into the medical field just so they can have an opportunity to do for someone else to make sure that there's a cure to the disease that took out their mother. Doctors who wanted to make sure that no other child can live or is forced to live the orphan life that they live. And the only way they saw was to just turn their dress up one or two times. Why is that considered a sin? When it's people who are trying to do the best they can. And the system has decided that they don't fit in their credentials. Why is the whore, the sinner, but the person who controls the school is the saint? I have a problem with that. Sickness. Why? Is the drug addict, the alcoholic, the sin. But nobody talks about the fact that that man is being beaten 
from one side of this world to the other. That man is being pulled in every different direction. Everybody's calling on him. Everybody's nagging him. Everybody feels that their desires, as he's concerned, is more important. And so they beat him and beat him and beat him. And nobody takes the opportunity to realize that he's a man and he's got his own needs and he's given his life to everybody and nobody asked him. How was he doing? Because he's a man and men don't cry and men don't have problems. He drowned his sorrows in a bottle of Jack. Why is he the sinner? When all he's trying to do is medicate his pain. Yes, he's a little angry. Yes, he's a little mean. But if all he knew to express himself was with a balled up fist and a 22, then why are we beating him up when we never discuss the sickness? that lives within him. We have spent our time talking about people who have changed themselves, changed themselves from a perspective of who they are, where they were born. We demonized them and said that they were sinful. Oh, you homosexuals, all of you are going to hell. But maybe if you peel back the onion, got down to the allergic induced section and start asking some questions, you might find that there's something deep down inside, and I'm not talking about identity. Oh, you think that's a sickness. I'm not talking about man on man and woman on woman. Oh, you think that's a sickness? But what about the rejection? How did we get here? As I've listened to that argument from the homosexual, from the LGBTQIA, let's go ahead and not do as too much damage today since we're going to go here. The one question that I've never heard answered is how we got here. What led to this? What drove this? What is this a response to? Because it has been demonized, it has been pasteurized, it has been easily diagnosed. Because we as a culture have found a way to just take what's easy. Seemingly what's easy, especially around these parts, the people who hang out under the big steeple, everything's a sin. Everybody's destined for hell. 
Nobody else. Then I move on down the road. I told you there's a lot to this. And I'm not even going to get to the good part. You have to come see me Wednesday. When you move on down the road, you find that there's a moment in time when you know your friend is sick. When you know your friend is dying. And I want to ask the question, why do you know your friend is sick and you know your friend is dying and yet you did absolutely nothing about it? And you said, this sickness we're not in in death. Well, of course you understood that. I'm talking about Jesus here. Please forgive me. I forgot to explain to you that I had moved on to a personal conversation. That made sense to you. But what about the other people? In that moment I believe that both sides of the argument was addressed because we sit. All of us now, some two, three thousand years later, depending upon how you want to start that argument. And we sit here with the answer to the question, the ending of the story already publicized. And, and it's easy to judge the person of Martha, the sisters. It's easy to criticize them for their reaction. It's easy to beat them up because how dare you respond in this way? Don't you know who your friend is? Don't you know where? How dare you dismiss? the fact that Jesus can what you mean you don't understand it's easy to sit on the sidelines and do what they call Monday morning quarterbacking but the funny thing is and I'm sure you will admit this because you're very, very smart people and and you admit everything. You admit that it's easy on the sidelines to speak, but the moment the trouble hits your house, oh, God is good. And you can preach and testify the goodness until it hits your house. Then the tune starts to turn. And yes, there will be some who will sit here at the end of this conversation and 
pray and say all the different things, well, Lord, help us and this, that, and the third. But the reality of it is, how and why would you continually speak against what is human nature? I know the Bible says that we do not sorrow like those who have no hope. But if your mama, your grandmother, your grandson, your son, your daughter, if one of them were to suffer a horrible loss, I could care less how big of a Christian you are is going to be like a knife straight through your soul. It will hurt. There's no matter of salvation that can eliminate that pain. It will hurt. And your response will be in kind. The only difference between those who find refuge under the big steeple and those who don't is that you have access to medications that they do not have. You have access to drugs that they do not have. Be not dismayed, for I am with you. I will strengthen you, yea, That's a drug right there. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle. That's a drug right there. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsake. Don't you see that the Bible is nothing more than a glorified medicine cabinet? And that is the difference. But it doesn't mean the pain is not there. As a matter of fact, the only reason why you have to go to the medicine cabinet is because you're in pain. When I am in trouble, I will trust in the. Look at all of these different drugs in your medicine cabinet. The problem is that the first thing we cannot admit is that we're sick. How you doing, Martha? It hurts. I'm going to be all right. Yay, somewhere down the line you're going to be all right. You know why? Because I got my drugs. But before I get to my drugs, I have to first admit that I'm first in pain. Jesus showed up. He showed up. I hope I didn't put you to sleep because I'm just feel I'm enjoying this myself. So y'all sleep. No. Jesus showed up. The first thing he did. This is the next part that I would like to get through in this. The next struggle of the faith 
You can't tell me Jesus didn't know. Of course he did. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of evidence to prove that he knew. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He, too, had the ending to the book. But he empathized. He didn't come with his sermon. He didn't come and beat the people up. I can't believe that you sit here acting like this. Doesn't make no sense that you why are you responding? You're supposed to be Christian. He didn't do that. Because again, I don't care how big of a Christian you are. I love that boy. We got together every Saturday and we had a Coca Cola on the river. Hoping that one of the bass would catch on to our line. Every Sunday we went down to the Cracker Barrel and we laughed over a six pack of biscuits and a stack of pancakes with eggs and, and bacon on the side. And now I have to go fishing by myself. Now I got to have my Sunday breakfast by myself. Sixty years. And now I'm all alone. He emphasized. And then most folks glass over this because they just get to that one famous verse, that one line in the Bible, those three words actually is more like two. Jesus wept, period, and that is rung around, oh, he cried. But let me ask you this. Did anybody ask why Jesus cried? Anybody taking the consideration that Jesus looked down and he saw not the pain of himself, he saw the pain of his friend. And he shared in her burden. He cried because she cried. He was in pain because she was in pain. Now, I know some of you are going to fight me on that theologically, and I don't care. I don't care to have that debate is what I really wanted to say. And the reason why I don't care to have that debate because I believe you are right. But I ask a question. Since you are right, then what other reason would it be for him to cry? Why would he be sad? He knew what he was going to do. He said it when he found out the man was sick. He testified to those around him that this sickness would not end in death. As a matter of fact, 
we're going to get some mileage out of this, he said. So what he got to cry for? Why is he hurt? It's not his own hurt. He don't need to be hurt. But he cried because he emphasized. And one of the struggles, I believe, of our culture today, of our world today, is an inability to emphasize, to share each other's burdens. Oh, I know and I confess myself that we'll look at somebody's problems and we'll judge them based upon our own circumstances. Don't make no sense that she's in that much debt. She must don't know how to pay bills. She must don't know how to do nothing right with her life. She must come from a community or a family that just wasn't well enough and just paid all their attention to partying and acting stupid and, and didn't do anything good in school. And, and that's why she's the way she is. And, oh, I just looked down on them because if they had done right by themselves, they wouldn't be in this predicament. But maybe. Maybe we didn't look at what got them there and realize that they're here. They're struggling to try to get out of something that they might even have already admitted. You ever thought maybe sometime people agree with you? I know when I come to church, I don't really want to be reminded that I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. That's why I showed up here. Show up at the ER. The doctor walks in. Boy, you're just a sick boy. Don't make no sense how sick you are. You're just sick, 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 sick. Doctor, I know I'm sick. That's why I came here. How can I get well? That's the question I want from you. Some of you, I have experienced it. I have talked to you after you have returned from the doctor and he sat there and beat you up and proverbially destroyed you, told you how crazy you were for your actions and how you have treated yourself physically. Didn't feel too well. Just like it is a bad situation and a horrible feeling when you go or you return from the doctor, it's the same way sometimes when people return from church. I got up on Sunday morning and I called in or I got dressed up and went down to the big building with the steeple on top, and I went in because I had a sickness that I needed to find a cure, and I was hoping when I got here that maybe the doctor would show up and figure out what's wrong with me. As a matter of fact, 
All I needed is the doctor to show up because I believe he already knows what's wrong with me, and I just need him to tell me how I can be here, made whole. That's why I come to church. To connect with like-minded believers who are just like us, sitting in the waiting room of life, trying to find an answer from the doctor. Then, as I hasten to my close, you find the people, the 12, and they're another group that was constantly beat up. Again, by the folks who know the end of the story, Jesus is coming along and he's saying, our brother has fallen asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Now, think back. Put yourself in these 12 shoes. How would you feel if somebody got up at your brother's funeral. Now, pardon me. Because it's hard because, again, you know the story. You know how this ends. You have read the whole book. But what if somebody got up with conviction and said, your brother is only asleep? And I'm not talking from a biblical perspective. I, I am not coming to you with some spiritualized soliloquy, I am really telling you that man laying in that pine box is just sleep. And all I got to do is call his name and he's going to wake up. You and I both know you would look at me like I had lost my ever-loving mind. You would pick up that cell phone of yours and you would, without a train of thought, without a second blink of an eye, you would call for the folks with the coats to come carry me away. So Jesus, knowing that even his 12, even the members of his preaching staff, his board of deacons still didn't understand what he was saying, so he had to make it plain for them. The boy is dead. His dream is dead. His vision is dead. His opportunity is dead. Yes, you were supposed to go to college. You were supposed to get a good degree. You were supposed to get a good job. But now it's dead. But do you believe that dead things can rise again? Do you believe that dead stuff is not a permanent state? 
that even though someone told you that that idea in your brain was impossible, even though someone told you that 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 passion that burns within you is impossible. Do you believe that this sickness, this sickness of holding you down, this sickness of not being able to fulfill your purpose, this sickness, of not being able to achieve your dreams. Do you believe that this sickness is not unto death? And if you can believe that there's one last bottle of medicine sitting over there in the backside of the cupboard, All things are possible to him who believes. And so today, my dear grandmother comes to pray. My thought, my mission today was for us to understand that we've all had our visits from the undertaker. And that undertaker visit is not in a white hearse. It did not come with a body bag. That visit did not conclude at one of the cemetery. No, 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 no. We have some of us been living with the undertaker. We have been living with dead stuff. And today, that dead stuff can be raised again. Only Believe. Only believe all things are possible if you only believe. My dear grandmother. Most holy and all-wise Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. Help us to believe. Oh God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us to put our trust in you, knowing that all power is in your hand. Knowing, oh God, that you are able to do anything but fail. It's nothing impossible with you. All things are possible with you if we only believe. Help us today to trust you and obey you because God you promise us if we obey that you will do the impossible for us. And help us today to just look to you trust in you believing in you 
knowing that you care about us, knowing that you love us so much, knowing, oh God, that you seize it all, you know it all, you understand it all. Help us today, God. We need your help. We can't do it by ourselves. Oh God, help us to put our trust in you. Believe in, oh God, that you're working it all out for our good. You know what's best. So we are putting our trust in you this morning, and we're saying thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day you have let us see. We thank you, oh God, that you have brought us to this present time. Through trials, tribulation, sickness, death, you brought us because you love us. And you want us to be them shining lights in this dark world. Help us to be what you have made us to be. We just thank you this morning, God. We thank you, oh God, because of who you are, that we are who we are. Because without you, God, we couldn't be there. Without you, God, we couldn't make it. But because you love us so much, God, that you brought us to this present time. And we said thank you this morning. We thank you for all things, God. Things that we understand and things that we don't understand. We say thank you. Because we can put our trust in you. And we just want to glorify you today. We want to praise you today. We want to magnify your holy name today. We want others to know that you are a sweet Savior. Help us to lift our eyes to the hills on which coming to our help. Help us to keep shining for you. Glorifying your holy name. We just thank you this morning, God. We praise you, we love you, and we magnify your name. And God, we give your name all the honor, all the honor, all the glory, all the praises, everything go to you because of who you are. We said thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great day. Oh, have a great day.